Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Welcome to a Daily Tech News Show special episode. I'm Tom Merritt, and today we're going to be talking about logistics and the chip shortage and why you can't get a PS5, maybe, or an NVIDIA chip. Uh, we talk about the chip shortage a lot on Daily Tech News Show, and I think we do a pretty good job of explaining the basics of the issues. There was a fluctuation in orders, there was unexpected demand, and the chip plants are now operating at capacity while they try to work through the backlog and bring on new plants to add capacity. But it takes a while to build those plants. The shortage was most acute in automobiles because of the unexpected demand there, but has started to affect other sectors as well. Most recently, Apple talking about a possible impact on iPhones this next quarter. Now, I think that all makes sense, but there are other factors at play beyond just demand and capacity, and that's shipping. The entire world's shipping system, which properly is called logistics by people in the know, got thrown into disarray because of the change in ordering patterns caused by pandemic-related lockdowns. Here to help us understand that side of the tech product shortages is James Thatcher, a.k.a. Big Jim, an import-export manager, host of Tech and Trade, and most recently a poet. Uh, welcome, Jim. Thank you very much. Happy to be here to help illuminate the world on the wonderful world of logistics and shipping right now. Yeah, so let's start by you telling us what normally happens once a chip is made and it's ready to sure. leave a plant. Sure. So it, it typically what happens is two different types of, of shipping it could go. It could go air freight or ocean freight. It depends on the need. Okay. So we're going to mainly focus on ocean freight right now because that's what's causing a big problem. Um, air freight is also having a problem because ocean freight, but we'll get into that later. Typically what happens is uh, your fab builds out specialized pallets to hold the chips in to keep corrosion out uh, loaded with desiccant they're typically put into certain types of gaylords those gaylords are loaded into ocean containers um, What's which a are okay so a gaylord is typically uh, a some people call them cheps although that's a brand name but it is a plastic tote uh, just think of it like a big plastic tub, like you would see a big plastic milk crate. Okay, but like what people have in their co in their uh, closets sometimes, but I'm assuming much larger and more sophisticated. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's the size of a pallet. It's typically yeah. 48, 48 by 48 inches by 40 inches by about three to four feet tall, depending on what you order. Um, they typically fill these up in trays and they go inside of the Gaylords and they're sealed up with tons of desiccant. Those are then put into an ocean container and that ocean container could be 20 feet or it could be 40 or what's sometimes called 40 high cube as well, which is slightly taller. Uh, the largest ocean 
container that you typically see as a 45 foot, although there are a small amount of 53 foot uh, ocean containers available, but you don't see them that often. They're pretty rare. They basically then get put into this container. The container gets a seal put on it. Trucker takes it to a pier. All normal stuff so far. Okay. Container- and you're choosing ocean over air because of cost, time- cost. cost and, and cost. need of timeliness. Cost. Well, and like you would when- choose air if you're like, it's got to be there faster, so I'm willing to pay. Correct. Okay. Correct. Correct. But typically, ocean freight is uh, its cost. But unlike, I would say, 10 to even 15 years ago when I've been in this industry, um, ocean freight timing has gotten more and more precise. Okay. Um, up until the last year or two, you could you could run uh, a pseudo uh, just in time, and that's where the automotive industry gets into trouble. Gotcha. But typically, what happens is you have an ocean container. It comes into the port. It gets put on a boat at some point. Comes across. Gets taken off the boat. It might get picked up in L.A. or Seattle or New York or Norfolk or Miami or one of these big ports and trucked to the location, or it gets pushed put on a rail car. It gets railed to an inland location, and then it gets trucked to the final location. This is the very – I'm giving everybody the very basics of how sure, this works. Sure, sure, So what's happened? What's changed? Why are we seeing all these shortages? What's, what's going on? When COVID hit, the entire retail industry as well as the entire logistics industry uh, predominantly thought this was going to mean volumes would decrease. Mm-hmm. We we thought there wasn't going to be a big increase in volume. Uh, and that held true. When the lockdown started in March uh, of, of last year, um, there was a decrease. Things started to go downward as far as things as we perceived. However, what we found was coming into June, July, the market started rallying again. Why did the market start rallying again? Mainly because people were working from home. People were buying things online. People were having things delivered online. Your volume consumption actually started to increase more than normal. Your typical shopper from a retail perspective, and retail is kind of comes back to chips in in essence of it's all the same space to an extent. Retailers uh, started to see more and more dot-com buildup where you might have somebody go into a store and look at something and say, yeah, maybe I'll buy it, maybe I won't. Now they're going online and just saying, yeah, I'll buy it, whatever. I'll buy it, whatever. And they're so not that, that combined with the fact that when you go into the store and decide to buy it, you ship it home, right? Yes. You carry it out, you put it in your car. Now everybody's right. got to have it be put on a container and put on a truck, et cetera, et cetera. Which is why you're seeing uh, certain online retailers such as Amazon no longer give you a next day option. Mm-hmm as often they're typically saying two to three days option and that's predominantly the reason their volumes have exacerbated so much they're at their breaking point to an extent um when it comes to ocean freight logistics we started to see an uptick to get almost back to normal volumes in july uh which is start of our typical peak season starts from june and it goes through november why is there a peak season? Well, it's one simple thing. It's called Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody ships in early to get into Christmas. Um, when we got to October, the market started over over collapsing itself. So what would happen is you would have more and more people trying to get vessel bookings, but they couldn't get space because a lot of the carriers have put their vessels into what's called cold storage. They basically shut them down and they sit on anchor and they don't, you know, they're non-operational. It takes two to three weeks to get it re-operational. Ah, so, so, so you have, you have more 
shipping happening that was expected and they had accidentally uh put all these these vessels in cold storage and they're like well it's going to take time to get them out okay i'm with so you so it so your demand this is where we start to see from a demand versus supply perspective demand start to come a little bit above supply carriers recover they bring them back out of storage now we have another problem you have ocean containers which we talked about mm-hmm Typically what happens is in the typical cycle flow, containers coming out of Asia to, let's say, the U.S. or even Europe, containers come out, they go to the pier, they get unloaded, they get returned, and then empty containers typically come back. Would they love to fill the containers to make more money on the backhaul? Absolutely. But most of the time, it's, you know, if you were to take a thumbnail average, it's usually about six to one, six empties to sure. one full container to come back. And that's just because more products are being made in Asia uh, and being Correct. bought in Europe and the U.S. Okay, I get that. Correct. So now with the cargo, with the, the containers over in the United States, you started to see people not being able to unload them as quickly people being taking longer to, to cycle time and through pull them back out. So now in Asia, what that means is there's less containers. Uh-huh. So we start to have a container shortage. So part so, of the unloading, I assume, was uh, pandemic restrictions. Correct. Right. Pandemic restrictions were huge. It shut down a lot of the ports. Uh, a lot of the longshoremen couldn't work, which took our vessel capacity way down. Um, you then also had restrictions on sailors. Mm-hmm. So uh, merchant Marines were not able to get onto the boats or even get to the boats. You had merchant Marines that were working up to 12 to 13 months on a vessel. And the typical contract period is six to eight months at most. Um, so they're, they're overexerted, they're exhausted. <laughs> and you have, in addition to that, truckers. Remember, we don't have those beautiful automated trucks yet to be able to just take everything everywhere. Truckers were backlogged as well. Well, that causes congestion at the pier. What then cycles and happens is you have congestion at the pier, which causes congestion two ways. Forward outbound on the rail because they can't get enough. They they have too many containers to get through and get the, the rail cars loaded. And then on the back lane, you can't get empties out. And because you don't have as many longshoremen, you have vessels that start to go on anchor. So we started to see real bad backups, specifically in Los Angeles, which, Tom, I know you have mentioned you'd seen the vessels sitting out in the bay, San Pedro Bay. Um, We had as many as 42 vessels, container ships, that were on anchor at the maximum point, which was right around uh, February. Uh, Now, you might say, okay, well, that's fine. You were coming out of peak season. Things should have been kind of calming down. The problem is, once you come out of that peak season, you're starting to kick into spring and people start shipping spring items. Mm -hmm. The other issue becomes, now you have a panic and people start panic shipping. And so we get the toilet paper effect, essentially. We get the toilet paper effect, but now we're talking about it in containers and Uh ocean vessels. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
the Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence, Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone space. So, okay. So, so if, if I can wrap my head around this, because sure. you didn't have enough longshoremen and merchant Marines, you get a backup of containers because there's not enough people to put them back on the vessels. The vessels go to anchor, which means it takes a little longer for them to get going. And mm -hmm. that causes a slowdown in shipping, which then causes people to go, oh my gosh, it's going to take two weeks. Well, I better order more. So that when it gets here, I'm not stuck, not being able to get it the next time, which then floods the channels. Am I, have I got it that? Starts, exactly. It starts flooding the channels. The other thing that it causes is that the ocean carriers start raising their prices mm -hmm. because they are going to try and restrict the flow. Right. So think of it like blood going through a blood vessel. They're trying to restrict the, the, the vapid amount of blood going through the blood vessel. So they're going to raise prices to try and discourage people. Now – for about 10% of the market, it works. 5 to 10% of the market, that works. Typically, people in commodities, people who move hardwood floors or mm -hmm. um, people who move uh, screws or bolts, things that are standardized, not built to order, not specific items that need to ship. The problem becomes retail has grown so much over that period of time and is continuing to grow that it far surpasses this. And so you might – we saw maybe a week to two weeks of relief when prices rose, but not enough to make it worthwhile. Yeah. And that caused more fluctuation. So now where are, we are, where are we today? Now we are at a point now where container ship companies, which in 20 years, my 20 years in this industry, haven't really made a huge profit margin – they're typically floating by by the skin of their teeth, maybe one, two percent margin at best. They're now making hand over fist in cash mm -hmm. because there are no vessels available. There are no more ocean vessels available to place containers on. Everything that could be booked has been booked. Um, I know companies that have chartered out vessels that are paying over a hundred thousand dollars a day uh, for the vessel operation, which in normal times, whatever normal was, uh, would typically be somewhere from thirty to forty thousand dollars a day. Ocean freight containers, a report just released today, uh, ocean freight containers have gone up by fifteen times their original cost. So let me explain. Normally, an ocean freight container from say Shanghai, which is a major fab hub, 
out of China coming to the U.S. would typically, in about two years ago, cost about maybe two thousand dollars. Now we're seeing pricing somewhere around thirty-two to thirty-six thousand dollars yeah. for an ocean can. Um, this has taken a huge hit on the market, um, and it is causing severe congestion. Now, we talked about air freight. Where does that leave air freight? Air freight now has to pick up the, the slack from where these ocean partners are dying. But you, here's the thing. You can only fit three ocean containers on a 747-400. That's the max volume capacity that that sh- And that how many can you fit on an ocean freighter? Well, if we're going to Europe, you can fit 26,000. <laughs> on one freighter, yeah. On one ship. Yeah. And if you're going to the U.S., the U.S. max right now to the West Coast is about 14,000. East Coast is about 16,000. And I'm going to guess there aren't that many planes. No, no. So, uh, so you, there can't are... quite, you can't possibly, at three containers per plane, uh, replace ocean freight with, with air freight. Well, and now let's throw the extra wrinkle into that, Tom. This little thing that caused all this, the COVID virus, we had a vaccine that came out. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Guess what you need to do? It needs to stay cold and it needs to move fast. Mm-hmm. Guess what's going to move fast? Air freight. Air freight. So yep. all that air capacity is even further exacerbated. Yeah, it's um, further limited because you need to move vaccines and everybody agrees that's a priority. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and let's be honest, the vaccine people were paying probably two to three times as much, probably because it was government backed, but yeah, they were sure. paying two to three times as much just to make sure that their freight moved. So air freight rates have gone up. They've actually come back down. Air freight rates are now somewhat more reasonable, but just because the rate is reasonable doesn't necessarily mean you're going to find the space. Mm-hmm. So we're still seeing influx of of price fluctuations, and it is from a logistics manager perspective, we can't gauge what our budgets are going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a board of director member contact us and say, Hey, what do you foresee the future? You know, you guys are above your budget by threefold. What do you foresee the future being next year? And I said, I can't tell you next year. I can tell you maybe three to six months at best Yeah, because there's no guarantee of what's changing and things change literally day by day in this industry now. So it feels to me like uh, the, the the key problem, there were many problems that you described, but the key problem was the slowdown at the ports, the slowdown in the work, and the system hasn't yet caught up with that. Uh, well, the, there's, the, the, there's, the rep- repercussions of that, I should say. There's, there's, two, there's two points to that. Yes, and mm-hmm. you're also dealing with an industry that is very slow to change and very slow to improve things. Um, as much as on DTNS, we love to talk about Hyperloop and how fast it's going to be and, and SpaceX doing their, their, you know, suborbital rockets to move from LA to, uh, Shanghai in like six hours. Um, great. Or less than six hours, like 40 minutes. Awesome. Wonderful. Fabulous. Guess what? It's not there yet. Yeah. Um, also neither one of those can carry 42,000 containers. I'm guessing. No. no. (laughs) Well, SpaceX, or I'm sorry. Uh, Hyperloop could, depending on the size of the rail and the speed and velocity. Sure. So you okay. Could... All right. So there's theoretically a hope there, but it's pretty distant. Well, uh, Elon Musk has come out and said uh, about two, three weeks ago um, that he is looking at a possible Hyperloop solution 
uh, from China to the to the U.S. Now, mm-hmm. how is he going to do that underneath the Pacific Ocean? I have no how idea. How long does that but, take to build if he does figure it out? All of that stuff. Sure. And sure. Elon Musk is Elon Musk, so yeah. hey, you know, I mean, the guy's going to Mars. Who knows? <laughs> so um, what 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 are the possible solutions out there to to get us out of this? Is it just time, or are there other things we could do? It's it's multiple factors. First of all, it's going to be time. Um, the the time heals all wounds to an extent. The other thing that um, I've been pushing for, and th- I'm not getting on a political soapbox when I say this, but one of the things that I have been advocating for is opening up, in at least in the United States, of our rail lines. It's not like in Europe where you have um, anybody can use the rail. It's a government entity, and you just pay the usage rights on the rail track. Um, you have a what I call a biopoly. Uh, in the United States by monopoly um, where there are two train companies on the West coast and two train companies East of the Mississippi. And that's pretty much it. You have a couple smaller outfits, but really it's those two predominant ones and they cannot normally cross Chicago or the Mississippi, depending Mm -hmm. on how far they can come. They can't come past that point to go to the other side. So you don't have real competition. Mm -hmm. And I think real competition would help. The other problem is, we have an amount of um, need for people to just be able to pick up their cargo timely. Um, And a lot of this is the fact that we don't have systems in this country that are built properly to be able to gauge how much volume is coming in, how much volume is going out, and how do you map where things are going to be in the process of the supply chain. So, you know, Here's a good example. When I have ocean freight that comes into Seattle, it usually comes into Seattle, gets put on the rail, heads to Chicago. The rail company doesn't know that there's a container on that vessel Mm. that's going to come to Chicago until that boat hits the pier, which is ridiculous because we have to notify at the time of booking over in Asia where we want this container to go. So 18 to 25 days prior, the steamship line knows where it's going to be. So the information is there. It's just not getting to everybody who might take benefit from knowing it. Or even if it is getting to the people who might benefit from knowing it, they're not changing. Yeah. There's, there's no incentive to change. They're not taking advantage of that information, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, and the U S is not alone in this. Um, Canada up in, uh, Vancouver is Vancouver is notoriously a port that, um, is known in our industry as a wait and see port because cargo comes into Vancouver and it sits and sits and sits and sits and sits because the rail management in Vancouver is poor. It just is. Um, um, I'm not saying anything by spilling tea here. That's just a fact. Um, so we have known quantities and known variables of places. If you have been in this industry long enough, okay, you know, don't go here, don't go there, don't go here, don't go there. But the problem becomes everybody else knows the same thing. Right. So you get flooding. So when we see an opportunity come up, we had an opportunity come up a couple of weeks ago where we could take a vessel into a port north of Santa Monica. We looked at it and said, yeah, this is great. Let's jump on that boat. Um, literally. And then, we, and then we saw – literally. And then we saw the price of what they wanted to charge us, and we said, thank you, no, thank mm-hmm. you. But 
that's what's going on right now. It is a literal seller's market right yeah, now yeah. when it comes to how this works. So it sounds like the resolution that, that you think would help is a little bit of internal lubrication to, to help help things move internally in the U.S. faster, uh, which would get things out of the ports faster, I, w- I would guess. Yes. Uh, and then and a little more efficiency at the ports so that that stuff that arrives doesn't sit around waiting for somebody to figure out where it should go. Right. And we have situations now where uh, we have a port um, that cargo comes into and it literally is, if it is destined to go on a rail car, it is literally taken to a separate pier and literally just dropped in the middle of the pier somewhere. Mm -hmm. We don't know a big flat piece of land. And if you say, okay, where is this container located? They don't know. Yeah. They have no idea. There was an episode of The Expanse that that took advantage of that yes. exact conceit. Yes. <laughs> yes. I remember that episode. I thought of you when I watched that. I was like, oh, I bet oh. Jim's enjoying this thing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't even explain how uh, how scary it is that art imitates life sometimes. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But, well, yeah. Man, thank you uh, for helping us understand this. I definitely have increased my understanding of what effect this is having and, and why it's happening. Uh, if people want to find out a little more about that end of things, I know you've been doing some things out there. Where can they go? Well, you can go to the Trade Nerd. That is um, my consultancy page if you want to hire me or learn things to do. Uh, if you want to follow me, join the DTNS uh discord group i'm in there and hit me up ask me a question um the other thing you can do if you're so artfully inclined is to go to logisticsiq.com logisticsiq.com where you will find my book uh to love me or not global logistics haikus from the inside and in the book i go through uh one day it took me one day to write this book to design the cover to edit it everything um as it was kind of a bucket list item. And uh, you'll see one day of the amount of hair pulling that I do out in haiku form, which is quite entertaining. So where do you go to get that? That's amazing. I can't believe logistics has inspired poetry. This is fantastic. Logisticshaiku.com. 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 Jim, thank you so much, man. This has been so much fun. Thanks, Tom. Folks, uh, don't forget, uh, if you want to support this show and the understanding that we're trying to bring to everybody by having folks like Big Jim on, uh, go to dailytechnewsshow.com slash Patreon. We'll be back on Monday with the news. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. 
Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.